Welcome to Sex, Body and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Many of you who know me know that I am a huge Bravaholic. What does that mean? Well, it means that occasionally I watch the odd reality show like The Housewives and it's one of my guilty pleasures. It's how I relax and escape into a different world. And our next guest is my dear friend, Matt Anderson. He is an executive producer of reality shows. So we're going to talk about the reality of reality, the impact it has on our lives, and we're probably going to spill the tea. So welcome to the show, Matt Anderson. Matt Anderson. Hello, my friend. It's so good to see you. So good to see you after all this time. It's been so long, but it feels like no time at all. It does. And I'm so pleased to have you here on the show for so many reasons. First of all, it was love at first sight when I met you. You're very dear to my heart. Mm, Likewise. Should we tell everyone about like what we did the first time we met? Oh, sure. Go for it. You go for it. You tell the story. Visiting and like (laughs) we just decided to crash Grammy parties. Like essentially (laughs) our friend Carrie, who's a very well-connected agent, had Mm -hmm. uh, passes to a bunch of the record company parties and he did not want to go. And you and I were hanging out at his house Mm-hmm. probably drinking i don't know doing something no fun. would we do that <laughs> and we decided to go and we went to like really major grammy parties like we remember did. like when stefani was like right next to us and you were just yeah. like walking up to everyone and congratulating <laughs> them like we've been there <laughs> we were acting like we owned the show and i i do remember uh i think we went to the vanity fair chateau maman i do remember that i have to be honest i don't remember all of it i do remember you grabbing gwen stefani <laughs> <laughs> that was it. She was so gracious. You know, they won an award. Yeah. Well, you know, I was in the business of recruiting celebrities at one mm-hmm. point. So, of course, you know, I was always working and Gwen's amazing and she is. she's a great role model. And I wanted to get her involved in my in my AIDS work. So I file that away under just another day at the office. We you have know? fun now. We, we have fun. Have fun. And it's always fun with you, Matt. I love all your other stories that are generally like going to do relief work somewhere and going to Africa. My story with you is going to a Grammy party. So this is where we vibrate, you know, and maybe this is what the vibe is going to be today. Well, I'm excited about a vibe and what we're going to talk about, because we're going to talk about the reality of making reality television Mm. and then the cause and effect of it. So thrilled for two reasons to have you on the show. One, I adore you. I love what you do. I love you. And I love Bravo shows. And, you <laughs> well, know, it's I've like my name, is, <laughs> my name is Kate Roberts and I'm a Bravo-holic. But only certain shows. Okay. There's only certain ones I like. So lay them on me. I, well, you know, let's just start in the early years, Matt, when you were at MTV. Okay. And you have had this incredible career producing all these major shows You've worked with people like Jessica Simpson on Newlyweds. We all remember that. Was it fish? Mm-hmm. Was it chicken or fish? You know, we all remember that. I mean, by the way, side note, she did come across, let's just say, not the most intelligent. However, girl went on to become a billionaire. 
So who's like not that intelligent anymore, right? She was very aware of herself. Like I wouldn't say it was 100% an act, but also I think she knew what was charming about that. And she commoditized that and she leveraged that. And she made a whole lot of money off of that. And Uh, I also worked with her younger sister, Ashley, too, helping to to break her into the music industry. And that was that was super fun. And prior to that, you know, working at MTV News and interviewing all the divas, because, you know, I love yeah. a diva. You and love so, it, which is why you love me. Yes. Yeah, is why yes. I love you. But like my favorite to work with when I was at MTV News was definitely Mariah Carey. Like I had so much fun like doing interviews with her because really? she just comes with all of that. And it was very frustrating, I think, to a lot of people because there hadn't really been a diva like that before. I mean, there were, but she was really living it to the hilt. And so, like, if you had an interview with her, you had to wait six hours. And people would be like, mm-hmm. you can't do that. I'm like, no, we'll just adjust the call sheet and we'll wait. And she's a special kind of creature. And right. we're going to get it. And she comes yeah. in and she's like, I don't wear a watch because time is irrelevant to me. And I just loved that Okay, expression. I roll. For, for those of you who are not no, watching this, I roll. She is it. the queen of all divas, and we've all heard the stories. I listen, she wrote me a three-page letter, apologized for being late once. She sent me a whole basket. Of sh- she called me personally. She's like, I'm so sorry oh, wow. that she went that That's way. She's nice. very unique and different and special. And she sang to me over the phone once and said, that's like sort of only you, Matt, only you. Like a bucket list moment. Well, I was editing a a special with her uh, performances, and some of them had to be cut down. And I sent her the cut, and she called me back. She's like, "No, you have to cut it this way." And I was like, "I don't think it's gonna work." She's like, "Trust me, honey. I wrote the songs. It's gonna work." And so I went (laughs) and made the edit. And she sang me like through how to do it, and I was like, "Oh, I can't. I record this phone call, and it totally worked." So you've worked with all these divas, all these amazing divas, including Jennifer Lopez. Oh, my God. She was incredible. First of all, when she came into the edit, we were like going over the shows and like it took me like five minutes because I was just like staring at her face because she's just so stunning. So beautiful. beautiful. Right? Like she's she, gorgeous. She was wearing yeah. a white cowl neck sweater and like just diamonds, but like understated. But you knew the diamonds were so expensive. Yeah. And then yeah. we ordered lunch. And so she ordered a grilled cheese and I'm like, I'll have a grilled cheese. So I ordered everything that she ordered during the lunch. <laughs> and then she was like watching the show and really. Wait, what do you mean she had a grilled cheese? sandwich jennifer lopez she had a grilled cheese sandwich and a chocolate shake and i was like no way Holy crap like uh, i want that too so, uh, you know, i want you that now yeah. yeah you wouldn't think you wouldn't think she would and she was very polite about how she did all of her notes and there was one scene where like it was it was a show about dancers which is the life she knew a lot about and she was a little bit chuckling because they were all boohooing about losing an audition. She's like, listen, I was a dancer for a long time. Like, they're they're crying a lot about losing a good job. Mm. And I'm like, well, what about that time you were in Europe and they wouldn't put you as the lead in the musical tour? Weren't you upset? And then you called your mother and cried. And she was like, I did do that one time. <laughs> and then she decided she was going to be friends with me for the rest of the time because I, I love I knew, it. You know, a diva loves to know that you know the deep cuts of their life. And so... Mm. um she was really great. And then the other thing I remember was that one of the dancers had made some diss about Mariah Carey dancing for her or something. And, you know, Mariah and J-Lo have this whole thing about, like, oh, I don't do. know her. Mariah always says she doesn't know who Jennifer Lopez is. So oh, anyway, please. one of the guys dissed Mariah. And it wasn't something we absolutely needed in the show. And we're looking at the footage and a couple of the people in the room are like, we should use it. We should use it. And I could see the wheels turning in her head. And I was just like, I don't think we need it. Like, I, I don't mm. think it works for the show. 
And she's like, you know what? If you feel like it doesn't work, then then don't use it. And it could have been such low hanging fruit for her to kind of like get a dig in on yeah. Mariah, and she chose not to do it. And I was kind of impressed she didn't do that because yeah. you know there's so much about pitting women against each other in the entertainment yeah. industry, yeah, which is not good and not fair, and sometimes a little blown up. And it was just cool to see that she she didn't want to do that. So mm. I liked that about Jennifer. So you you produce reality television. You have for many, many years. You've worked with MTV, worked with Bravo, you worked with Peacock, and you have your own production company now. Purveyors of Pop. Yes. And you're just about <laughs> to release the new Miami Housewives, which we're all very excited about. That's one of the shows that I actually really like. Okay, great. Yep. Comes out. December 8th, four episodes dropping all at once. So get your binge in. Okay. Oh, I will so get my binge in. But, you know, this show is called Sex, Body and Soul, right? You've listened to some of our podcasts. It's incredible. It's so much fun to listen to and really informative, actually. So and it really runs the gamut. And you're really brave about like, I I listened to the one where you interviewed the male adult film actor Mm. and you a porn star. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Let's say what it is. Yeah. What it is. You really went there. And you seemed really okay with it. Yeah. Well, because porn is a reality, right? Mm -hmm. It is a reality. I think, you know, you listen to the show, 11 years old is the age that is the average onset of a kid watching porn. I have an 11 year old daughter, right? I am concerned about it. I want to understand the reality of porn. So I just think, because I want to know, everybody wants to know. So yeah, I'm going to take it on. And Good for you. Yeah, with this discussion, I have a love-hate relationship with reality TV. Why? Okay. Because I get addicted, right? Like <laughs> everyone else. Like, what are some of the numbers? Like, how many people tune in to the Real Housewives franchise of shows? It's got to be in the Hundreds of millions, right? It's got to be. I mean, I don't know what the aggregate is, but when it airs, it's always in the top 10 of cable every week, you know, which is a very competitive market. There are so many channels and so many offerings, and it's just, it's up there. And Bravo is like within the top 5% of all cable networks constantly. It's one of the few cable networks that improves year on year, even though people are pulling the plug, the expression of just going over to streaming as opposed to having a cable package. So that's what I can tell you about it. It's yeah. just it's just an, a major billion dollar global enterprise. Just yeah. the Real Housewives banner alone. Yeah, and and it's extraordinary, and it's really well done, Matt. So congratulations on what you've produced. It's very very well done. It's really hard to do, by the way. Like oh, everyone tell thinks, me. like it's like you just get a group of women together and watch them fight, which is not what the show is. That's always sort of the low hanging fruit kind of explanation for what that show is. And I get it. Reality sometimes gives you that vibe, but I just don't think that a franchise would be 15 years in if that was the only note it was yeah. striking all these years. It's, it's. I think it's so much more than that. Well, what I'm actually excited about, and as you know, I've had a couple of the housewives on the podcast. Who have you had? So I've had Crystal Minkoff. Okay, got it. I have my feelings about, I don't produce that show, so I have my feelings about the Beverly Hills Housewives and who I like and who, who works for me. It's a phenomenal franchise, by the way. The Beverly Hills one is one I can watch every week. I think they do yeah. such a phenomenal job with it. They I do. think the casting is great. The the candy that you get from that show, like just the wealth and the lifestyle and the fashion, you know, I mean, I live for whatever Dorit walks in with. Dorit is the number one fashionista of the world. There's no question. I mean, she's gorgeous. I got to meet her at BravoCon and I like looked at her like she was a star and I work with all these housewives, <laughs> but I was like, oh my God, you are the moment. She's like, I'm the moment? 
And I'm like, yes, uh, like, the way you dress, the way you look. She's like, yeah, how many other gorgeous. housewives have you said that to? Which yeah. is such a housewife expression. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. So let's just take Beverly Hills, right? Because okay. uh, obviously I've, I've had Crystal on. She talked about her eating disorder, right? Yeah. And what I love about her is how open and raw and, you know, willing to share. And as we can see from the show, she is sharing it on air. It really struck me. It really right. struck me because it felt like it was very much an active struggle that she was having, not something mm -hmm. that was necessarily in the rearview mirror. So in a way, it felt really vulnerable because <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, she's still dealing with this now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like on TV, often I see people talk about their struggle with it. Oftentimes with body dysmorphia and bulimia, you yeah. that is something you carry with you for the rest of the life. But oh, yeah, when you forever. see people talk mm -hmm. about it on TV or the radio, like oftentimes it is kind of a rearview mirror perspective. And with her, it was very much real time. So I thought yeah. that was really brave and interesting, but kind of like watching someone on a high wire. Exactly. Very brave. And the other thing that we obviously talked about is Asian hate. And she gets something like 50,000 messages of just vile racism, hatred. Terrible. Yes, yeah, terrible. I mean, my point is with my love hate, what I mean by that is, you know, the franchise, the shows that you produce are extremely addictive. They are extremely entertaining. The values behind the show are not great all the time, right? It's about how you look. It's about the clothes. It's about how much money you have, what car you drive, what circles, who people you know. You know, it's not, it's not sending out these incredible messages. However, in some cases, like Crystal's case, right, it's an incredible platform to talk about, you know, the issues that you're facing or to highlight a charity what was that charity they just did on the Beverly Hills? Toothless, not homeless? Homeless, not toothless. Yeah, it's always You got it right. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, who came up with that name? But anyway. <laughs> Back to the drawing board on that one. But it was a good runner <laughs> on the show. Okay, I'm taking in what you're saying. I, yeah. I have a few counterpoints to Yeah, to yeah, yeah. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Because what we're talking about here is the reality of reality. Yeah. Right? And, you know, if I count up the hours of how much of that I'm watching, right? Which I love, right? I just love it. You really have done a great job and I'm totally in bed with the characters, mostly with the New York and the Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it makes me a bit nauseous. I think it's supposed to do that though. I don't I think it's just sending it up like like it's ascribing a lifestyle to you because that's, that's not what we're trying to do editorially. A lot of times we're, we're bringing the audience in on the joke. You know, like if someone's taking something really seriously that maybe they shouldn't be, usually it's cut with a little wink, wink to the audience. Yeah. Um, so I think I think there's a little bit of that. And I don't think that the housewives aspires to or prescribes a way of life that you should follow. I think it lets you in behind a gate, behind yeah. a, a world that maybe you don't get to see. And I, th I think part of its longevity is that it's willing to point its camera at some of the not-so-pretty parts of that, too. Uh, like all the criminals and the stuff that's going on? Yeah, I mean, you know. Oh, my God. It's, yeah. it's really, that stuff is intense. And it's, yeah. the show has kind of evolved to that. It's, it's crazy to think of where that started, because it is a franchise for, for 15 years. 
And we didn't used to have those stories, but, you know, you hang with people long enough and they really find themselves in some shit. So. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I realize it's very good television, right? Like the ratings, I think when when that whole thing with uh, Erica Jane happened with her husband, Tom Girardi. Oh, wow. That was fascinating. Well, and it goes on, right? Because it's like, does she give the diamonds back? And, you know, she talks about the only person I'm looking out for is myself. And yeah, I want the, I want to keep the diamonds. And well, let's talk about that. Let's talk, cause there is a lot of judgment towards Erica and I, I get that, but mm -hmm. let's just talk about Real Housewives of Salt Lake, which you may or may not watch, but I have actually they, they, seen they, a little bit of it. They have mm -hmm. a storyline going on right now with a woman named Jen Shaw, who just yeah. got indicted by the feds for defrauding all these people. Well, she's going to prison, right? Yeah. Going in for a sentencing, which is in January. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't really know how long yet, but it's some bad stuff, right? Nowhere in that is anyone talking about Coach Shaw or what he knew or what he didn't know mm -hmm. or what his involvement is. And mm -hmm. I do believe Erica was someone who was very much not in control of that marriage with Tom. Right. You see it in some of the scenes. Yeah. Like she talks oh, and he power, shuts her down. The power dynamic is And the yeah, drag clear. on her for what she knows and what her association is with him is is not equal to what's happening to Coach yeah. Shaw. I just think it's interesting that oftentimes that women get vilified for things that maybe they shouldn't be vilified for. Now, she's not her best advocate because she does say some stuff sometimes where you're like, ooh, that's, uh, you know, you probably shouldn't be saying I'm only looking out for myself in this current environment. But no. I don't know. It's just an interesting observation. That Yeah, but what are your thoughts on, I think the big question when we when we look at reality television, and you've got all these things going on now also with that couple that are going to prison on a, another reality show. Uh, oh, the Cressleys. Yeah. Yes, they are now going to prison. But I'm interested, you know, in a normal job, right? If you're a criminal, you get fired. Why does Bravo not fire these characters? Is it because they're good for ratings? Well, you have to remember, like, Jen did not admit any guilt the whole time right. she was filming the show, and then she did it after. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do after that. She was not invited to BravoCon, so I feel like okay. we kind of mm -hmm. know where they're going with that. Right. I don't think the Chris Lee show will go on. You know, they're going to be away for a very long time, so I think that would be impossible. Years. In the view of Teresa Giudice and yeah. Joe Giudice, they did follow that story, but people love Teresa. You know, like they just love the, you know, she's a mom. She's back on the show, right? She's back on the show. People were fascinated with it. So she, she did stay on the show, but I think that was a compelling story to follow. So yeah, I think they wanted to keep following that story. Got it. Okay. So you worked for on season two and season three of New York City Housewives? Yes, I call them the vintage years of the early years. But the there are some of the most there's some of the most classic episodes though, right? Because you've oh. got I'm up here, you're down there, you've got Scary Island, you've got Ramona walking down the runway with the big old <laughs> eyes. <laughs> you know, like some really classic things. So I'm yeah. proud. I'm proud of oh, those episodes. Yeah. Mopped it up like gravy, Matt. Mopped it up. I loved it and you know you do start to feel like you know these people and you know i have a lot of yes. friends that do know the countess and i've met kelly a couple of times i've met the princess carol radswell yes she's actually going to come on the podcast oh that's exciting yeah i i think she's very interesting because she just started a sexual wellness company so she's all in my she's all in my business um mm -hmm. in fact totally. we sell her products on the website 
She has wow. condoms and and all sorts of things. So we partner up with her. Good anyway, her. the point is, is that we, of course, loved the whole Ramona thing. Who She's had some whoppers, right? Like she said some things as well. And I think has been accused of all sorts of things, racism. And like she's been taken through the ringer. Yeah. And it's interesting because she's she has not, as far as any published reports, we don't know for sure, hasn't been invited back to the legacy version of that. Housewives, because they're going to do a reboot of the New York Housewives, which we're so excited about, aren't you? Bringing back all our favorites. And so, oh, I didn't I know that. That's news. Oh, yeah, 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 because they completely okay. recast Real Housewives of New York, but then they're like, we can't let go of all these other women, so they're do- going to do a thing called Roni Legacy with, like, I believe Kelly and Jill and Luann, who we just stan and love. I just love Luann. Like, she was... Always I mean, she's one of my certainly favorites. a character. Yeah, she's a character. She, she is, but there was something about her that was like, even when I started doing the show, she was still married to the Count and, you know, living in the Hamptons and still very much about her sort of Countess persona. You know, I would drive out there from New York City because we'd be shooting, you know, both in New York and in the Hamptons and it would be like hours in traffic and you'd get there and you'd have to shoot and I'd be like totally frazzled like producer and she'd be like, darling. She's like, sit down, let me get you something. Like, let's pull it together. And she's just very kind of nurturing. And she's like, how are you? How was the ride? And, you know, not a lot of the people ask you how you oh, are when nice. you're doing these shows. Yeah. And you spend, like, months with them in their house and you know their families. And it is interesting to see which characters are the ones who are going to invite you in, offer you mm. some food, offer you some water. Like, not all of yeah. them do that. I don't feel like Ramona is that person because I seem to recall her stealing some uh, lots of uh, lobsters or clams. Or Oh, yeah, yeah. When we were on Scary Island, Bethany had cooked a bunch of crab cakes. And, you know, we were on an island and it was the middle of the night and Kelly had had her whole thing, you know, where the gummy bears and the jelly beans and the Al Sharpton and she got in the big fight with all the girls and we had to kind of put her away and figure out how we were going to well, get her home scary. the next day. That was very scary. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were very concerned for her health yeah. and how she yeah. was feeling. And she was very agitated, as you can see from the show. And yes. so we're like, let's let's get her flight home. Like, this is enough and all that. And, you know, by the time we figured all that out, I want to say that was like two or three in the morning. And like, none of us had had any dinner. And we're like, let's just have Bethany's crab cakes. Like, literally, we're in the kitchen of that mansion that you see cooking up crab cakes for the crew. We eat them. I leave one of my producers in the house because I'm like, just you have to watch to make sure Kelly gets on the plane tomorrow and make sure everyone's wow. okay. And so we go back to the hotel. We come back and my producing partner, Nate, he's like, he's like, ooh, Ramona was not happy this morning. She woke up and she's like, I just feel like a crab cake. Oh, God. And Bethany's like, oh, God, you guys ate all the crab cake. She's losing her mind right now. Um, yeah, she wasn't happy about that. The jelly bean incident that you're talking about with Kelly, that's what I'm talking about about the show. It really does show real people having real issues like mm. mental health, like anorexia, like alcoholism, like criminal activity. It really does show these things. And- it's extraordinary to be like sort of in the front row of that when you're producing a show like this, because you never know where the story's going to go. We don't script anything. We don't tell them what to say. We don't tell them what to do. And we sit there with our monitors and we, we have an idea of sort of activities for the day or whatever, but we don't know how they're going to interact with each other. And I feel like that's where the most fascinating human behavior comes out of. And yeah. I'm just staring at the monitor when that's happening. And 
eventually you have to go from like I'm documenting to the behavior to like this is like a person who probably needs someone to intervene or help yeah. in some yeah. manner. And that's when I I what we call break the fourth wall where you like kind of jump into a scene and be like, you know what, I think you should probably go to bed or and she yeah. didn't want to. And that's where like the whole Bethany go to sleep came from because you know she didn't want to yeah. leave the scene. Yeah. Eventually she did leave the scene and she felt like she had lost and she was a little upset. And she did actually quit the show after after that trip. You know, I got a call mm. from Andy and everyone saying she wants to quit the show. And I'm like, well, mm. fine. If she wants to do that, that's totally her prerogative. None of us can force someone to do one of these shows if they don't want to, which is an important thing to know. Like you can't do it unless they want to do it. Because oftentimes they leave the shows and they talk about it in a different way. But you really can't get anything that they don't give you because they have to access you into their life, right. into their building. And happily, she did decide to stay on the show because I think she had another good season after that. And she got to sort of explain herself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely a different thing to see. And, you know, we'd never been on a trip with the housewives before, actually. That was one of the first far-flung housewife trips. And so I had no idea how they would behave, what they would do, like what we would need to do to take care of them because they're all yeah. grown women. But I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to like get involved and like get an airplane ticket and send this person home and figure out how all of this is going to happen safely. Let's be honest. These trips are pure joy to watch. <laughs> they are pure joy. I mean, my mind just oh, went gosh, to... My, to no, produce them. <laughs> no, my mind just went to Ramona like pooping herself in Cartagena in Colombia. I don't know whether you were on that trip, but... I was not, but I love that you know all the deep cuts. Like, this is so oh, impressive. Oh, of course. Of course I know. And not only do I know that, but me and my group of friends who live in East Hampton, we all went to Cartagena because we had watched that show and we had loved it so much. We went even to the stores where they had bought all their cute little things. We basically yeah. reenacted. We reenacted the show in real People life. People do that now. People yeah. do that. And so when you're trying to plan a trip and you talk to like these resorts or whatever, oftentimes they really want the franchise to come in because they look at it as a good promotional thing because then all these people want to recreate that trip. It's a, mm -hmm. it's an incredible thing that people want to do. I mean, yeah. I want to do all the Beverly Hills trips because those are always to me They're the amazing. most luxe ones. I mean, you know. they are absolutely amazing. And I have to say that I feel very privileged as to be able to do one of those shows every now and again. However, most people, you know, would struggle with that. And I want to get on to, because time is flying, which I knew it would. We're never going to have enough time. We're never going to have enough time. We have to do uh, show number two, because I feel like we're only getting started here. I thought we but, weren't going to have anything to talk about, honestly, because your, oh, your podcast is so great. So I feel pleased that you feel that no, way. Oh my gosh, there's just so much to talk about because I'm really torn between I want all the gossip, I want to, you know, talk about the shows, but I also want to talk about the impact of the shows. So, you know, obviously we've seen Luann, the Countess, struggle with drugs and alcohol. We've seen various addictions and problems along the way. Yeah. And with Beverly Hills, to get back to Beverly Hills, we just saw... Denise Richards and, and that whole Denise and Rena thing. I mean, and, and now, of course, Kathy Hilton and Rena. I mean, it's just so delicious, right? But also quite disturbing. And I now know that Denise Richards is on OnlyFans. Yeah, yeah. A couple of the housewives actually are on OnlyFans. And I think 
in different permutations, right? Like, I think Dorinda and Sonia both have an OnlyFans, but I think it's more just for access to, like, what's happening to their lives, where I think Denise is a little more, like, peep show, lingerie shots, and then Larsa Pippen, who's on the show that mm-hmm. I produce, Real Housewives of Miami, she has her own OnlyFans, and she was the first housewife to, like, come on the show and actually talk about doing it and how much money she was making when she was doing it, and... You know, she really realized that a lot of guys like feet shots, so she takes a lot of pictures of her feet, and a lot of people were judgmental of her making money that way, and she did not give a F about it. And I kind of like that about her, that she empowered, Mm -hmm. like, sort of the use of her own sexuality and her body to to use it the way that she wanted. And and sort of the, the entry point for the judgment against her, I think, was that she was a mother, which is like, so, moms can be sexual, too. (laughs) Moms should be sexual. Yeah. And, you know, it's just this whole thing. And she's, you know, I think in her late 40s, whatever. It just reminds me of, like, how everyone's kind of coming down on Madonna now and her use of her body and putting her boobs and her butt out there and all of that. And it's not for everyone, but it's definitely a rebellious act to do that in some ways. And people aren't comfortable with that because it's not coming through the male gaze. That's the thing that I like about OnlyFans is that it's sort of like an independent label. You can kind of sort of author your own sexuality and you're not part of some porn studio that's like placing you into a role or something. You have control. So there is an Mm -hmm. element of control of like how much Mm -hmm. you want to show within Mm -hmm. the peep show. Just quickly on Madonna, because uh, I know you're a massive fan. Massive like, fan. Massive, I started massive. from the beginning. I'm not letting go now. And I know. No, you're not letting go. Like, I know. Feel like that this is not the Madonna they signed up for. You know, her her social media presence is interesting. Matt, darling, what has she done to her face? She does not look like Madonna anymore. She definitely has done work. I do not condone it. If somebody wants to do work to their face, good on you. Right. If you're yeah, going to feel totally. better about yourself, if you feel empowered, good on you. But mm-hmm. she might have gone a little far, maybe? Absolutely. But when has Madonna ever not gone too far? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, so I it's guess Madonna. if she's going to jump into that pool, she's going to go Madonna. all the way. And yeah. then here's the line, and this is where she's going to be. And, like, is the result the best result? I don't think so. But it's, you know, she mm-hmm. likes doing it. And I think there's a part of her that gets off on the fact that people don't like it. You know what I mean? She's yeah, always sort definitely. of been that rebel inside that mm. likes that. But it's... It's not for everyone, but I do think there is something about her being older and sexual and sort of independent that is threatening to the status quo. I do think Mm -hmm. that. And people just feel like she should, quote unquote, age gracefully. That terminology comes up a lot when you're talking about her. And I don't agree with that. (laughs) I say age however you want. Good. I I like what you're saying. Like, if you want to own your sexuality, I I literally just had an 80. two-year-old woman on the show to talk about grief and aging, which Mm -hmm. go hand in hand often. And she's just the most beautiful, elegant, gorgeous, dressed up to the nines. Her name is Valerie Von Sobel. And she's just owning it. Does she have her boobs and her ass hanging out? No, she doesn't. She's dressed in a beautiful way, but she's an artist. She's an artist just like Madonna. Like they express themselves through how they look. And if Madonna wants to do that, good on Madonna. She needs to get on with it. And yeah, exactly. It's not the haters everyone. will hate. I get it, and the haters, the haters will hate. Will and, they're, hate. and they're hating hard these days. But I, like I said, really I'm just are. gonna, I'm gonna stay on the ride with her because she was there for the gay community, and she was, she was there. She mm-hmm. was a voice in HIV/AIDS research, like yep. long before anyone else. I mean, you look back at some of those interviews from '89 to '90, and she's talking about stuff 
people would be so afraid to talk about then, you know? I mean, about mm-hmm. gay men's sexuality and the pamphlet she put into the Like a Prayer album talking about how to have safe sex and, you know, using words like condoms and anal sex and all that. And good for her, because she was largely like an artist for teenagers and young adults. And she was just doing it. So you gotta yeah. you gotta respect you gotta respect the people who paved those aesthetic highways and byways the lady gagas and the arianas travel down so effortlessly now yeah 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 now i want to get back to one of my big crushes on the housewives and that's bethany frankel we love bethany we love bethany she's a good friend and someone i love working with and someone i stay in touch with and yeah uh, We've been having so much fun talking because she's just launched her own podcast. She has a couple already, but she launched one about the housewives called Rewives, mm-hmm. where she goes back and and looks oh, really? at uh, all the classic episodes. And she does it with a celebrity. She did it with like Elizabeth Moss and with Jerry Springer. And a lot of people had feelings about her looking back at the housewives era. And what do you feel about it? Because I know that she's distanced herself from housewives. And yeah. they were like, well, how dare you talk about it? Because you've You've talked negatively about it. it's a toxic environment, but she was like my my podcast, my life. You know? Listen, people love to hate on her also, right? What is it you like about her? I'm curious to know. What I like about her is, I mean, I followed her from just the very beginning when you produced the New York Housewives, right? She, she was, was just one... a single girl living in a studio apartment yeah. with like the cookie business. Nothing. In the cooking business. And yeah. she was there in Target, you know, behind her skinny girl stand dishing out you know whatever it is she was making it was making her bethany baked muffins and no one wanted to go. talk to her and she was in a grocery <laughs> store and you got to give it up for someone who's like willing to do that and she finished that shit she's like wow that was a bust that'll be a good scene you know not like oh please don't show that and it looks like i'm not a good businesswoman like oh, she really I mean, kind of showed the travails of getting yeah. on that ride to become a mogul and i think people really found exactly. that inspiring and interesting exactly to see. that is what i really admire about her and you know this some stuff that I'm like, mm, okay, not so sure. However, I am just so impressed with how she has seized this opportunity of being on this show, mm-hmm. has developed a whole empire, mm-hmm. has gone into media, right? She did a talk show. She's done all these things. Like me, a single mother of a tween kid who she obviously adores and they adore each other she goes off and does all these adventures with her as i do with my daughter so i don't know i feel a bit of a kinship with bethany where you know i've built my own empire not to the scale that that bethany has done with skinny girl but you know going through a divorce at the same time that she did we sort of mirrored each other a little bit okay so there's a little identification there well, doing the charity work, she started, you know, she's the one who got on a plane with her own charitable organization and was giving money out in Puerto Rico and doing mm-hmm. all those things. Like, I That's feel impressive. like her heart is in the right place and she's a brilliant businesswoman. That's what I feel about her. She is. And she shoots from the hip and that's not for everyone. And she's an intense character. You know, it's it's what we love about her. But, you know, some people find that maybe that the intensity is maybe too much. But I just love her. She's so Mm -hmm. real. She does have a vulnerable side. She does have like a really warm, soft side that maybe isn't always frontal 
And I think maybe that's some of her upbringing and how she was brought up. But, yeah. you know, when if I happen to be in the Hamptons and I call her, like, I'll call her up the day I'm there. I'm like, hey, I'm here. Can I come to your house? She's like, yes, come over right now. Uh, and she'll, like, you know, make me food or a drink or, you know, like, make sure I have water for my, I don't know, just small things yeah, like that. She's important. very human mm. about that kind of stuff. And she's maybe a little different than what her media personality, Not not to say that that isn't. A part of who she is but there there are layers and there are yeah. levels and she's yeah. um always on to the next thing like she yeah. now like flew into tiktok and she's doing these makeup tutorials and it's so yeah. funny because <laughs> i was talking to this woman who um ellen rackerton i don't know if you know who she is she's mm-hmm. um really famous producer she produced the mm-hmm. oprah winfrey show forever and yeah. i was chatting with her and she's like you know i never watched housewives but i saw her on tiktok and i started sending around all of these makeup things where she compares the drugstore to the regular stuff. And, you know, I feel like Bethany knows things that I don't know. And that's what I like about her. So Yeah, she's a smart cookie. She really is. She's very impressive. And, you know, when I think of her, actually, I guess the show that you produced, the Bethany Getting Married, I think it was called. Bethany Getting Married and then Bethany Ever After. Yeah, we did three seasons of that show. I just remember her squatting over a bucket in her wedding dress as she is waiting to get married. She peed into a champagne bucket on camera. She She did do that. She did. I remember. She was pregnant, five months pregnant, too, while she's doing it. I was about to add that. Yeah. Are you impressed that I know all these little nuggets, by the way? I, mean, I love it. I'm a I fan, babe. I'm a fan. Uh, why, why don't we? Why weren't we talking every week after the episodes? And then oh. I could have given you the behind the scenes. Like we should have been talking more during all this. I have to tell you, shooting that series was one of the, the career highlights for me. It was such a wonderful time in her life, and she was on to a new thing. And her, she just sold the company, and she was like, it was like all her dreams were coming true. And to sort of be in the glow of that is an exciting mm. place Aww. to be. And like when you would call up places because you have to clear all these places around new york to shoot like Mm -hmm. everyone knew who she was and it was like so easy to do because there was such Mm. love for her at that time my daughter and i were recently in los angeles i actually took her and you didn't call me Uh, i didn't know you were there i thought you were in new york but now i know you just wait i'm gonna show up on your doorstep but i took my daughter to la and we went to that on sunset it's right next to chateau maman it's like a train cafe Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking about. And so we we strut in there because me and my daughter do strut. So we strut in there and they are filming a reality show, Vanderpump Rules, I think is mm-hmm. the name of the show. The yeah. other housewife who has... Lisa Vanderpump's spinoff, yep. Milked it like nobody's business. But we were then, as we walk in, we were invited to join the show and they wanted us to be in the show and I guess extras right we're sitting there you know having our milkshakes whatever did you sign a release we did oh good for you (laughs) we did and of course my daughter was so excited but anyway that's the sideline how I want to end here is really talk about the sheer amount of money you can make being on these shows and I'm not talking about what you get paid per season Mm -hmm. I'm talking about using the platform and let's be honest all the housewives pretty much have got a gig right that they yeah. you know ramona's yeah. got wine luann's got cabaret what's doric got the beach beverly beach swimwear yeah. and plus don't forget her room at buca de beppo <laughs> oh that's right that's like, right yeah i don't know what the monetary gain is on that but we'll see Yeah, I mean, it's if you're smart about it, you know, I will say that Bethany was 
the first the queen. to really the queen. leverage the queen. it. And mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. people have said that, like, subsequently, networks have put what they call the quote-unquote Bethany clause into their contracts with the people that, like, if you were to develop and put something on a show that, you know, the show largely promoted, we're going to participate in that profitability, which mm-hmm. um, Bethany did not have. She's such a brilliant businesswoman. But that being said, having the platform of a TV show to promote something is an amazing thing. It's really hard to get on TV. It's really hard to get people to watch ads. The thing is, is it has to be baked into the story enough that the audience doesn't feel like they're being shilled mm-hmm. something. Because you see yeah. some of that stuff and you're like, I'm going to fast forward over this scene. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. really my metric for whether I choose to follow a business or something when I'm doing a show. I'm like, is this, what is the entertainment value of me watching yeah. you do this? Like, that has to be there. Like, we owe that to the audience. They're smart Absolutely. enough. Yeah. And so if there isn't something that's organically tied into your life or there's some interesting challenges to follow with it, then like, why are we watching it? Because everyone's sort of caught on to that game. It's like we've seen Rob Kardashian try to sell socks and no one cares. We don't care. <laughs> so it has to be a story that's compelling enough. It's like, you yeah. know, with Bethany, it was like the girl in the studio apartment who had this idea for this margarita that we'd seen mm-hmm. her do. And she was like developing the label and mm-hmm. no one believed in her. And then you know, she struck gold. And it was it was fascinating because when she released the Skinny Girl Margarita, they couldn't keep it in the stores. Like, it literally was selling I know, out. I know. And it was the what I called the Bethany effect. I go, it's so incredible because no one watching this show can taste what you're doing, right? Yeah. But they yeah. can feel the story and they felt yeah. the connection to her and they went into the store and they put their money down. So I think that is the the recipe that you have to have if you choose to have a side hustle on the show to make more money. Mm. Yes, there are appearances. I think Luann did a great job with the cabaret because she does tour around the country with it. But then, you know, I was at BravoCon and like almost every single person had a side thing. And some of it was like, why are you selling that? Like there has to be Mm -hmm. something that doesn't feel like I'm on a TV show. So I'm going to sell you a bedazzled t-shirt for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like it has Mm -hmm. to be, I think it has to be better than that. But you you can stand to make a lot of money yeah. if you're smart about it. Well, talk about people making a lot of money. Andy Cohen. <laughs> and talk about side hustle. Now, he's a celebrity now in his own right. He is definitely a celebrity. A I mean, celebrity. that guy works so hard. Let me yeah. tell you. First of all, I stand Andy Cohen. I love him. I don't care what anyone says about him. He is, like, so supportive. He is supportive mm-hmm. of producers. He's supportive we have a small production company. He, like, looks mm-hmm. after us. He mm-hmm. is really involved in the shows. But we were shooting the season nine Married to Medicine reunion. And those reunion days, and everyone knows, are very long, arduous days. It's like the whole cast and they're fighting with each other. And it's like a minimum 12-hour shoot, sometimes 12 to 14 hours. And he's moderating that whole thing. And we have like little breaks for lunch in between. And he's like, oh, I'm just really tired. I shot, you know, six shows this week and three shows yesterday. I go, three shows? Because he did like two radio. He has Radio Andy. He has Watch What Happens Live. Live, yeah. You know, and then all the other stuff that he's doing. (laughs) So he really, uh, I mean, I don't know where he gets the energy, honestly, but his enthusiasm for like the projects, you can feel it when he walks on set and he's like not remote at all. Anyone who comes up to him and talks to him, he wants to talk to them back. So I, I think that's the key to his star power. Well, but you know, what I love about him, and I could not say a bad word about him because I just, I don't know him, but from what I can see, what an amazing guy he is for, you know, such an advocate for the LGBTQIA community, such totally. a community for, you know, surrogacy and adoption and totally. like his 
friendship with Anderson, who I do know, it's just so beautiful. And he puts it all out there. And he started that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there was never yeah. any coming out process or whatever. He's like, yeah. I am a fully realized gay man standing yep. in my truth from jump. And I yeah. we hadn't had that before. And that was really yeah. nice for me to see because he's the same age as me. And he kind of came up in media at the same time. And he's just really such a great example of that and and i really identify with a lot of the things that he gravitates towards mm-hmm. so i really i really think he is a great example of a lgbtq celebrity incredible now this is heartbreaking but our time is not only up but overrun by 10 minutes that's how much we had to talk about my darling i want to talk more about OnlyFans the next time because it just fascinates me that whole platform and sort of all of that so we'll, we'll it, save another time to talk about it yes well i think we might need podcast number two because seriously all of my friends who are also bravaholics they're all going to bombard me now with questions. So I'm just going to collect those questions and oh we'll my get God, you on we could again. Do like a Q&A section. Like we're we'll like do a Q&A. Ask, like, oh, or yeah. an ask me anything, you know? Yeah. All right, my darling. I love you madly. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body and Soul. Remember, you can find all my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. We are actually partnering up with Vital Voices to get much-needed dignity kits to the refugees in Ukraine. Girls and women do not have access to personal hygiene products that keep them safe and healthy. Please go to thebodyagency.com to donate a dignity kit today. Be sure also to sign up for our email list at The Body Agency for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotional code PODCAST10 to get a 10% discount. Thank you for listening.